Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your Race fans, welcome to the BBC Radio Network. Welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santorowski. I'll be your host for the next hour. We'll go over this past weekend in racing and preview uh, the championship week in NASCAR coming up. I've got Luis Torres and Richard Uden hanging out with me. What's up, fellas? Hey, how's it going? Not too bad. Luis? Going good. Here at Phoenix, hopefully we'll have a championship weekend to remember. Absolutely. Yep. So Louise is out there in Phoenix going to cover the uh, NASCAR championship weekend live uh, for us. So uh, we're really looking forward to uh, your report back next week. But uh, so we've been off a couple of weeks, um, but uh, but we're back and, uh, you know, we missed a few things. We'll try to catch you up on the uh, uh, the news that, that we may have missed uh, the last two weeks. But uh, let's get right into this past weekend because um, elimination round at Martinsville there. And the our championship four are not the usual suspects. Uh, two out of four of them, sure, yeah. But the um, the, the other guys in there. So uh, now Ross Chastain has been all over the news, and I'm sure that uh, if you uh, watch racing and all, you've seen this. Um, he was. Uh, it looked like Denny Hamlin was uh, set to be in that championship four with Ross Chastain. Um, a couple of points behind him and, and five positions back. Uh, and Chastain just takes it right up to the wall and what can only be described, a lot of people are describing as a, uh, a move right out of like Mario Kart and drags his car against the wall, passes five cars, sets a cup lap record in the process uh, and nips Denny Hamlin. Uh, to take that last championship spot there. So, uh, uh, you know, reactions are mixed with this. You know, it's well within the rules. You know, he's a, he's within the track limits. You know, if you exceed track limit at Martinsville, you're in a grandstand. But uh, scraping up against the wall, number one, that's, that's the only move you could pull off on the last lap, you know, and, and you know, not drive with a wrecked car. But, um, I mean, that's a prime example of uh, – just going all out, doing what you need to do when time is running out. So, uh, Richard, what what, were, what was your impression of that? I mean, you've watched racing. You've worked in NASCAR for for a number of years. Uh, you ever seen anything that crazy before? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, no, it was, uh, I mean, talk about headlines for the sport. You know, it, it was spectacular. Um, it, 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 it grabbed all the headlines. It, um, 
you know, it was a you know, page turn. You know, it certainly got people's attention outside of racing, you know, to watch that. Um, was it, you know, a good thing for the sport? I, 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 I don't know. You don't, was there, you know, okay, I'll put, was there any skill involved in it? You know, this is what you're looking for. You're looking for the most skillful drivers out there. And the guy just rammed it into the wall and just hung on. Um, and it was inventive, you know, I'll give him that much. But uh, I think it, um, you know, did leave a little little bit of a like, oh, okay, um, is this how we do it now? You know, um, but, you know, on the flip side, you, you know, if, if Dale Earnhardt pulled off a move like this in the mid-80s, it would be the, you know, the greatest thing ever. So I think you've got to give Ross credit. You know, he he, he went for it. He didn't have a choice and he pulled it off. Uh, he yeah, didn't wreck been, anybody else. Yeah, yeah, he didn't there, turn there, anybody. He didn't turn anybody, right? And he, he, you he know. pulled it. Was, it was probably the most desperate move I've ever seen that actually worked. Yeah. You know, a lot, I mean, lot it, was, of times, it was a one in ten. You know, it was a one, yeah, in, yeah. one in ten move. And, and, and you it, know, it came and, up. Yeah, and we've seen a couple crazy things like that in racing before. Yeah, you remember Zanardi and the corkscrew nearly, you know, going off the course of passing Brian Hurd in an IndyCar race or the famous uh, NASCAR's passing the grass during the uh, All-Star race at one point yeah, in time. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I've just – I've not seen somebody – scrape the wall like that, you know, three quarters of the way around the track. And again, Martinsville is probably about the only track you could pull that off. Yeah. You know, due to the, the number one, the flat nature of the course and the lower speeds and, yep. and yeah. Um, so it's it both brilliant and stupid at the same time. Yeah. But, but it worked, but it worked. So, yeah. and, and lost the, the is, only, you know, the, the only comment I would have on it from a negative standpoint is, you know, there is, you know, could, could, you know, when you deliberately wreck your car, which is basically what Ross was doing, can you guarantee that you're not going to, by doing what he did, cause injury to another driver or cause, you know, injury to, to you know, it was if his car had like ridden up that wall and, and mounted into the catch fencing and, and debris had gone through into the crowds, you know, he's, he's creating a very, um, very difficult sort of scenario, I think, in a lot of people's minds there as to to what the you know risk versus reward, and not just to him, but to his competitors and to the spectators would be. I think the comment that I've seen coming out of it from a negative standpoint, from a racing standpoint, I don't think it's an issue with it. You know, but from a a safety standpoint and putting other people at risk and putting fans at risk, is that an appropriate course of action? Um, no, I, I, would, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I would say no, but I mean, the other, the other thing is when he's just, you know, flat out gunning out, going full speed on that wall, had, had a, one of the other drivers been a little higher up the line there, he could have oh, plowed, yeah. plowed into the back of somebody, um, you know, and, and, you know, and uh, the speeds aren't crazy high at Martinsville, but they're moving fast enough to hurt somebody. And we've got, yeah. uh, you know, we've got enough guys in the sideline in NASCAR, uh, this year already. So, um, yeah, we, it's. You know, but but the, the the sad thing about it all is lost in the shuffle, Louise, is the fact that Christopher Bell won his way into the next round, two rounds in a row. Now, yeah. when, when we were talking about the Charlotte Roval, Louise, you were telling me that uh, you kind of with a, you know, with with a race like that and a strategy like that, 
um, you kind of like Bell for the championship. And, uh, you know, after Martinsville, I kind of like Bell for the championship as well. I mean, the guys, you know, have been around the appropriate amount of years. Uh, I mean, he's done, he's done well in the lower series. He's done well in cup. And this is, you know, not once, but twice where he's done exactly what he needed to do without doing any crazy Ross Chastain stuff. Uh, winning races <laughs> right when he needed to win them to advance to the next round. Now he finds himself in the championship four for the first time. So, Louise, let's talk about Christopher Bell a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot of factors into Christopher Bell making it to the championship four. It's kind of how I saw it's like, saw how I saw it's like the same mindset I had for William Byers, like if, like last year where nobody really saw him being the favorite or a contender. And then he made it a couple rounds and Christopher Bell has able to do something similar this year, but capitalize it by winning races when it matters most for bell. He had to, he had to earn that thing because he was battling chase Briscoe through pit strategy and all that to get that win. there was a hard fought battle between him. And you also had like brackets asking Denny Hamlin trying to stop them from winning and then at the end bell just had the stronger car and brought joe gibbs racing his 200th win and it's looking to be almost a cultivation of a for tr for trd's talent because let's remember christopher bell has been a mainstay for that development program for years when they lost kyle larson christopher bell kind of became the heir apparent and should he win that championship which i do like his odds that will be a huge deal for Toyota because it kind of shows, hey, look, look, a loyal talent was able to get it done, and it looks good on Toyota because we've talked about in the past how Toyota had these talents and they sort of have blundered to let those guys go, like a Kyle Larson for the biggest notable example of it. So it's going to be quite fun because Bell has grown to be a much better driver. He's in, and I arguably say he's one of the more improved drivers. He's had a strong year. Yeah. He, it, when he won at Loudon, it was, it honestly surprised me. It's like, that came from out of nowhere. But over time, it seems like Bell has been one, been fairly consistent and quite in essence, kind of like how Martrix Jr. a year ago, where, yeah, on paper, he may be viewed as an underdog or a long shot, but I'd imagine. They'll probably say similar to what Trix said. They don't view themselves as a, as a dark horse. They view themselves as probably red hot of being a champion as at sun by Sunday if they time it right, if they get it right. Yeah, yeah. And again, you know, Chris Bell's with the Gibbs organization that has championships in the past. And um, you know, they're very, very well run, very professional organization. And I feel like uh uh, you know, Bell's got as good a chance as any of the other three guys. And speaking of which, so we've already talked about Ross <laughs> Chastain getting a spot, and we've talked about Christopher Bell getting a spot. The other two guys in the are both former champions. We've got uh, Chase Elliott um, and then Joey Logano, who was safe going into this round, having uh, won in the previous round. So, uh, uh, you know, you got to like Logano's odds. Uh, and you've been talking about Logano all through the chase. And of course, Elliot has been um, probably the most consistent driver all year. So this is going to be this is going to be a, a pretty good championship for uh, when we look at the contrast between the, the four uh, gentlemen that we have in there. For sure, and when you look at it, they all have people view them very different differently. You have a you have Joy Logano that is borderline between a 
a tweener. Yeah, he's got his detractors for the longest of time, but especially what happened to Darlington that kind of became the breaking point of Byron's promising year. But he's been good at Phoenix. He's in fact he's now tied with the most playoff champ most championship four appearances with five. They're joining guys like Truex and Harbick and Kyle Bush, just to name a few. And then you got Elliot, who obviously won the championship two years ago, and he's been pretty he's been pretty sporty at Phoenix. And then Ross, who was the highest out of the four drivers, he was the highest finishing guy at Phoenix back early in the year. And then there's Christopher Vell's just getting it clicking at, and have Adam Stevens calling the shots too. Adam Stevens won a championship with Kyle Bush. So this could honestly go either way. And I I don't think you could go wrong with any of those four drivers as far as who will come out on top. Yeah, I wonder what the Vegas odds look like. I wonder if they're all pretty tight or, or if they're calling, you know, one of the, one, 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 yeah, just wonder if they're calling one of them a long shot. Cause I really, I really don't view any of the four as an absolute long shot or dark, dark horse. You know, because I because I, I feel like they're all, you know, pretty well accomplished drivers. Now, you know, Chastain, of course, is crafting out an odd reputation <laughs> this year as being very aggressive, uh, uh, and certainly this thing at Martinsville solidifies that because you know they earlier in the year they coined the phrase "Oh, you've been Chastained," but um, but but again, uh, and then all all of Trackhouse Racing for them, this is their. First year after having taken over the assets of uh, Chip Ganassi Racing, and, <laughs> and and you know here they they've won a number of races and they've got a guy in the championship four. So you got to really look at uh, Justin Marks and the great work he's done with that whole program. For sure. So if not- you want to look at the odds quickly, quickly, I'll, this is from uh, DraftKings odds as of yesterday. Chase's favorite at two hundred, Christopher Bell two sixty, Joey three thirty, and Chastain three thirty. Mm, I might have to take the bet on Logano. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. That's uh, that's going to pay off kind of nicely. I'm not in Washington, so fair game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fair so, game against Washington. You can't do nothing there in terms of bet if any of that wager stuff. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about who we like for the championship. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Bell. I honestly, I just, just feel like this, you know, it, it's almost like a Hollywood script and it's meant to be. So it's going to have to have a happy ending. I, I think for, for me, as far as the championships concerned, I feel like, I don't know. Something tells me from as a photographer stream, I would want Chastain for, for the visuals, but realistically, I think, I still I want to stick to my gut drive said throughout the playoffs. I've seen mentioned Logano. I think I think just Logano there seems to be clicking at a, at the right time and be one way to cap off the year by being the first next gen winner in the clash and capping it off with a win to wrap be the first next gen well current gen champion. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Yeah, yeah, I've... I I know it's it's hard to keep up with the <laughs> next gen, current gen. Yeah, carve but yeah, tomorrow, carve, just... carve yesterday. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, I still right, like, so, like so Logano for here. you. All right, Richard, you like to abstain from picking NASCAR, right? I think I'd be pretty obvious who I'd who I'd be going for. I know who you're, <laughs> I know who you're rooting for. Yep, yep, and and I honestly hope he does it too. So um, that being said, let's talk about the Xfinity race in Martinsville, okay? Because there was. As much, if not more, drama coming out of that uh, than there was coming out of the cup race. And, and the repercussions of this are still kind of going on. But uh, so you have, uh, you know, Ty Gibbs, who's solidly got him a spot in the championship. And he's got him lined up with a good cup ride for next year. Uh, takes out his own teammate on the final restart and denies his teammate a shot at that uh, championship four. Um and, uh, you know, goes ahead and, and wins the race. And then he's unapologetic about it. He even, like, he compares himself to Jesus in a post-race interview, which I'm like, okay, that's not good any way you slice it. Uh, you know, John Lennon tried that in the 60s and they burned his records, uh, you know. <laughs> so I, I don't know what this kid is thinking because, you, you, you know, you figure as a team player, right? Or as a, even as a manufacturer guy, as a Toyota guy, if he just goes ahead and lets uh, lets Brandon try to go ahead and, and win the race without bumping him out of the way, uh, that gets you know Toyota and their team two cars in the championship four instead of one. So it, it seemed like a very selfish move on his part. Now again, I've all this season long. Uh, Ty Gibbs has ruffled a number of feathers here and there, but, but he also has proven that the kid can drive. So, um, Louise thoughts. Oh, where do I begin? Let's just start with this real quick is in essence, Ty Gibbs not only cost Brandon Jones and Toyota having two cars in the championship four, and Brandon Jones sweeping Martinsville because people forget he won the spring because all people want to talk about that spring race is the fight with Gibbs and Sam Mayer. He low-key and really cost the 18 team that Sammy Smith was driving a shot in the owner's title that still would have been two Toyotas for both drivers and owners. So it really he hurt. He affected both driver and owner's outcomes for Toyota, and that is just not a good look. And I know we've been off, but you just consider what's happened. I know it's Xfinity, but consider what's happened over the past few weeks, like with Kyle Larson and Bubba Wallace, where Ooh. Bubba just hooked him. Hooked him straight on the wall. 
that's a safety danger. That's just dangerous. And for Ty Gibbs and Brandon Jones, on the other hand, it's, it's just selfish. It didn't even bother to just nudge him out of the way. Like, people complain about Joey Logano sometimes being too aggressive. But at the very least, he would nudge him. He won't flat out dump him. Period. That's, that's a yeah, thing. yeah. Yeah, well, we go back to, and, and Bubba ended up with a one race suspension out of that deal. Yeah, and justified. I felt like he could have been <laughs> reprimanded, like what Matt Kent, what happened with Matt Kent, sent him out for the rest of the round. That's what they did because lost in that shelf because it had had people. Uh, here's the thing: Yeah, Bell is in the championship for Bubba. He was in a deep hole due to that wreck with Bubba and Kyle and the whole that whole fiasco. That put him in the hole for the rest of the, for the rest of the round. And if, had it not been for that Martin's Bell win, he would, we would not be talking about Bell going for a championship. And in large part of what happened for Gibbs, I felt like I I I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. I tried to. He seemed like he was getting better, especially when he had his battles with AJ Allmendinger. But then all of a sudden, he lost. He threw all of that. He out the window. He threw it. He blew it. And on top of that, that's not the first. Callis incident or episode he's had in, 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 in the past few weeks because he almost pretty much hooked Ty Dillon into crew members at Texas and and he got reprimanded for it. The fact that he didn't get reprimanded for that ordeal by, by the organization or Toyota themselves is just appalling because dude, it's like they're not going it's, to... If it's evident that it's inevitable cause... Ty Gibbs is going to go up to the next level. Is he ready for the for the pressure and the intensity? No, he's not. No, I was thinking the same thing earlier today. I was kind of processing all in the mind. I'm like, you know, and there there have been a lot of guys that have been very kind of young and cocky and aggressive in, in the Cup Series, and some they, of the, some of those guys have been, uh, you know, like like Keselowski comes to mind and, and Kyle Busch comes to mind. Those guys were pretty aggressive and cocky when they were young in the cup series and they ended up being successful, but they also uh, reached a point where they calmed down and started driving smarter, you know? So, yeah, it's, I guess um, this could be a potential generational talent, but between like you mentioned, Keslowski, Kyle Bush, or even Joey Logano, you, while you have those young, brash, immature, even let's add Kevin Harvick there too. There's also your Casey Yabwitz and Robbie Morosa where they were heavily touted and they move up to cup and they croaked. And and then under the pressure with one literally as I, as I, the word I mentioned. Sometimes you, you when you get up to the cup club, you gotta be mature, you gotta have a strong mindset. I feel like Gibbs does not have it. And that's gonna be blown up and it's gonna be he's gonna be overexposed. And oh, he's, he hasn't yeah, been already in a Cup Series. Yeah, he's going to be under a microscope, uh, you know, in, in, in the Cup Series. He really is. Um, but right now, he's not making any friends in the paddock. Uh, I, I'm sure people are not lining up to buy his merchandise. <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah, he's does got... Does he have merch? I don't know if he does or not. But he's really got to, he's really got to work on uh, repairing his image. And... Um, you know, you know, claiming that he was persecuted in the way Jesus Christ was, it's not the way to do it. That's, you know, so just, yeah, just throwing that back out there again. But yeah, so, so our final four in Xfinity are Gibbs and, um, who are the other three? Three JRM cars of Noah Gregson, Josh Berry, and Justin Allgaier. And speaking of Allgaier, there was it like, I thought, had it not been for that callous outcome, it would, 
we would be talking about Justin Allgaier and Asian Almerdinger running very aggressive and pushing it to the because we know Allgaier is not the type of guy that will bump people or or fight back that way like he did with Almerdinger. And at the end of the day, it was just a racing incident where they battled a little too hard and they kind of the exhaust pipe cut Almerdinger's tire down. And I thought it was going to be like a confrontation. Lo and behold, the confrontations were Jeb Burton, Roger Carruth, and Austin Hill and Maya Snyder, along with Gibbs and Jones. But that yeah, way, yeah, man, Maya Snyder had a little scuffle in the pits. I saw a little video of that. Yeah, so yeah, tensions, yeah. tensions running high in the Xfinity series. But yeah, but at least with Almendinger and Allgaier, they knew they knew what was going on. They didn't took themselves out. They just rubbed fenders. It's just a little too much that affected Almendinger from going to the championship four, which is same because he was a top caliber driver. Now. Who knows? We'll see how he fares in the Cup Series. But for JRM, that's three cars in the championship four. And we yeah, and well, I, we have, well, good. yeah, we've got three Chevys and a Toyota. Well, we could have had two Toyotas and two Chevys. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Good, good, job. Quite, good job, Ty Gibbs. Yeah, and the question is, where will, Brand, <laughs> where will Brandon Jones go? It's like, if he's in a position, if he's in a position to win and Ty Gibbs is in the mix, will he help this future team win the championship as a kind of a big send off message is like, well, well, you cost me the championship. So I'm going to do, I'm going to pay it right back by helping my future, my team and parent next year. Jones is going to JRM to replace Noah Gregson <laughs> in the nine car. And we, and there's been times where like a driver that's departing that are willing to still help a team that they're in or not as proven in the truck series in 1999 with, Joe Rubman, he was going to not be welcome back to Rouch, and he he was a man for himself, and inadvertently might have cost Greg Biffle the 99 championship. So anything could happen. Yeah, any, anything could happen, yeah. So, you, you know, you got to uh, – you, you know, Brandon Jones is going into this thing with a sour taste in his mouth. Um, but at the same time, I, I want to say he's – he holds himself together quite well. And I think that he'll do the smart thing and just try to run a clean race. Uh, I, I don't see him going out of the way at all to help Toyota win the thing uh, or, or to help Ty Gibbs win the thing. But uh, I also don't see him trying to take Ty Gibbs out to help his future team. So I, I just think he's gonna, I think I think he's going to play it smart. I think he's a pretty smart kid. Yeah, I've, I've known Brendan a number of years now we've worked together in a number of different organizations and uh, he's he's pretty he's pretty chilled out and i think um in all fairness to to um you know the, the people involved in this scenario there's his 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 numbers marked um you know in every series um you know that he takes part in now you know if he if he moves up next year to cup which a lot of people are expecting then I'm sure a couple of the older, wiser drivers will make their uh, make their opinions known to him, should we say? But uh, yeah. yeah, it's a shame that uh, it's it sort of come to this for, for Brandon, especially with with JGR, because um, you know he, he's a great kid. He's a really really good guy to work with, and um, you know he he really deserves that. You know, a really good run. On his day, he can be as fast as anybody out there. He just doesn't, doesn't have that day often enough, unfortunately. And, um, you know, he's undoubtedly going to be in some fantastic machinery next year. But I think from 
everything that he's done for Tyler and Tyler have done for him, it'd have been a great way to sign off. Um, obviously, you know, Ty's got a future with Tyler outside of this year, but, uh, you know, for Brendan to sign off on this way would have been, would have been really good. But I do have one suggestion, one, one, one comment that I'd be interested in getting your uh, answer on. Obviously, I think I'm right in saying that um, AJ Allmendinger won the regular season uh, point standings. And I've always thought this, and I was wondering what your thoughts are, that the guy who wins the regular season gets the automatic pass into the championship four. Because I think I don't think there's enough reward, really. I mean, it pretty much guarantees you like a top eight, but it doesn't guarantee you that championship four spot. And I personally... You know, I think that uh, if you do, you know, win the championship regular or the regular season, then that should, you know, there's a real incentive there. And I think if that guarantees you a spot in the in the championship four, I think that justifies it. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on that. I don't know. Would you would you would you be opposed to making a championship five? You know, or you know, unless the regular season guy is one of the four. You go with the four, but if the if it's four other guys, you got. I I like the idea of awarding a little more to the, uh, you know, championship, uh, regular season yeah. championship. But 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 again, if if we're gonna do what NASCAR set out to do, which is to mirror stick and ball sports, right? Uh, you know, but winning, they get. But you, yeah, you yeah, like winning. Yeah, I was gonna winning, add, yeah, mention that we, real winning, quick. Yeah, winning a division is not. A guarantee to get to the no, Super but you Bowl, get a buy. You, know I mean? you get a buy, you yeah. Do, if any an incentive, yeah. If anything, they should get at least like a, a buy, a guarantee spot in the next round or two. Because I was thinking about hockey, like the regular season champion is known as the President's Cup winner, and there's and at least they get a buy, but more sometimes they'll get clapped out of the out of the round that the first series that they're in. So I can, as far as Putting them all the way to the championship four, I think. I, I'm not sure how I feel about that, but if they get a at automatic advancement to the next round or next two rounds, to at least they're guaranteed into the round of eight, I will not be too opposed with it because I mean, if they're trying to emulate the stick and ball sports, that'll be the equivalent of a buy for the regular season champion. Right, right, but if the, but if they end up getting themselves where they eliminated, you know what I mean. So, I, I mean, so what? What's the incentive to drive hard through the playoffs if you know all you got to do is show up in Phoenix and you got a spot? But where's the reward from winning the regular season? Oh, that shitty little trophy they give you. Exactly. So you know, in the, <laughs> yeah, you know, so you, in the fifteen you, playoff you win, points with it, fifteen you know, playoff, fifty. Yeah, you, get, you do get fifteen playoff points. Yeah, but it's not. You know, you can that, that that you know that can um, that that can dwindle pretty quickly um, if you have a couple of bad weeks. Um, but you know, in theory, you win Daytona, you're locked into the top sixteen. There's no real incentive. You know, you you question what would people do in the first eleven races of the playoffs or whatever it is, uh, or sorry, nine races of the playoffs. Um, well, to the flip side, if you win Daytona, what do you do for the next? 28 races of the regular season or whatever it is, you know, oh, just like, uh, just like Austin Cedric, not much. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, you know, uh, that I, I, I don't, I, I, I genuinely think that if you did that, they would still compete and they would still baffle and they would still, you know, put themselves up there and they, they you know, you want that momentum, you know, you want that, um, 
you know, team cohesion going forward. And you want your <clears throat> pit crew to be sharp and on the ball and not make mistakes and, and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, you've got to keep match fit if you like. Um, but it would be, you know, I, I don't know. I just think that, you know, you need to um, reward that a little bit more maybe. And, you know, it, unlike stick and ball sports where it's one against one, this is one against 35 in reality. So, you know, your margin for error, your margin for not winning is far, far greater. You know, you've got a 2% chance, you know, two and a bit percent chance of, you know, in theory with 35 cars in the field, you know, I mean, it's not quite that way, but you, you've got a very small, you know, in theory, a small percentage chance of winning each race. So, um, you know, you're not going to say that um, your overall champion is definitely your best driver. And I, I do certainly think you should be rewarded more. Well, I mean, you know, in years past, we didn't even have a such thing as a regular series champion. That's more of a newer phenomenon. I want to say, was it what, 2017 we came out with that? Yep. Yep. And Mark, Mark, uh, Mark Truex was the first guy to win it. And, and even he, when he won that, was like, it's, you know, this is kind of meaningless. It's nothing, just, is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's nothing. The paperweight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. At least they've done away with the idea of giving out trophies for stage wins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like so, Ronnie Shields. I think Ronnie Shields' face is like, yeah, let's just let's. It's a one-time thing. Let's not do that because imagine like Truex that year in twenty-seven has like hundreds of trophies and like two-thirds of it was just stage wins because of yeah. It. He'd have to put an extension on his house to just to you know for the shelving. So anyway, so but uh, the trucks have a championship as well. So mm-hmm. Luis, who are our last four guys in truck? We have Zane Smith. Chandler Smith, not related, by the way. Ty Majeski and defending champion Ben Rhodes. So you got two Thor Sport trucks. You have a fr- front row. Front row, okay. Front row, yeah. I almost want to say furniture row because we're talking about Shurex. And then KBM. And this is, of course, Chandler Smith's last race with KBM because he'll be going to Colleague Racing full-time in 2023 to... It to be replacing AJ Allmendinger in that in that ride, so it's gonna be a bittersweet ordeal for him for Ty Majeski. He's been on a roll. He's fine. He's won two out of the last three races, which so happens to be his first two wins. And I feel like in a piece that will be coming up in the in the coming days, I I my main focus on Majeski is to how the journey he's had in his racing career because he's obviously a touted short track racer, but his NASCAR career, when you look at it, it's taken him a long time compared to. Austin Cindric and Chase Briscoe, as we all recall, those three drove the 60 car in Xfinity. That was a complete disaster. <laughs> Four years ago, a lot has happened since. And for Zane Smith, it's just a matter. If Zane Smith were to win the championship, whereas Xfinity, Ty Gibbs or Noah Gregson win it, we could finally see for the first time the three national touring champions for the previous year going competing in the Daytona 500 because it's been established that Zane will drive, will compete in the 500 in February. So it'd be curious to see how that goes because the big story, the big controversy of the Truck Series Championship for his source port, kind of like not giving it a hundred percent effort to assure Rhodes to make it to the championship for, which frustrated Stuart Friesen because he made it clear. It's like, well, because well, that's what happens sometimes when we're freezing a single truck team full time, whereas Sorosport have four to five. So of course, there's going to be a lot of politicking played around and the controversy that surrounds it. But 
it stands. NASCAR didn't see anything wrong with it. So the, it stands for those championship four guys. All right. So that's all. Everything will be decided next weekend in Phoenix or this coming weekend in Phoenix, rather in Louise, you'll be there to uh, catch all the drama or the uh, boredom, depending on how it, uh, how it all shakes out. So <laughs> I'm sure there's some guys hoping for just a nice quiet race where they just lead the whole thing and walk away with the championship. So it's going to be complicated, especially cup because the owners, oh, yeah. the owner's title is also on the line where the five team of Kyle Larson is trying to go back to back owners championships Whereas Chase Elliott, if he wins the drivers' championship, they're because they're not in the owners' championship for they'll be fifth in the final standings, I believe. I had to double check the points, just, the points, the owners' standings. But there's so much, there's so much on the line. The only thing that is guaranteed is the only thing that's not that's already pretty much decided is the Arca West title, which is Jake Drew. But other than that, a lot is at stake. A lot of end of an eras and a lot of streaks also. On the line, when you look at drivers who haven't won, Barn Truex Jr., he's had seven, he's won for the last seven straight years. Brad Keselowski, 11 straight years. Ryan Blaney, yeah, he won the All Star race, but he has him five straight years. But the last time we saw a non championship four driver win was the last year before that's the championship four was implemented. That was 2013. Mm-hmm. And Lewis Hamilton. Oh, sorry, sorry, wrong, wrong. <laughs> no. Speaking of Lewis Hamilton, <laughs> <think> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that's a good transition. And let's talk about Formula One. So, uh, <laughs> before, well, before we start um, getting into the talk about the uh, Mexican Grand Prix, so the FIA have announced what their sanctions are going to be for Red Bull, and it's yep. going to cost them what seven million dollars and yep. uh, testing days. Uh, wind tunnel days, ten percent reduction in seven uh, percent reduction in wind tunnel time. I think. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of folks that feel this is a mere slap on the wrist, uh, but of course yeah. Red Bull says it's a draconian penalty. So of course I, they would. And of course they um, would. Yeah. So, but what what are your thoughts, Richard? Do you think the FIA has uh, uh, done enough or not enough, or or do you feel that that's just about right? It's. A little bit lenient, I think. Uh, I don't know how much more they could have gone, especially with stuff like wind tunnel time. You know, because they've already already allocated a lot of their wind tunnel time for next year. It's probably already been used. You know, there'll be full scale models of their twenty twenty three car in the wind tunnel already. So uh, that's or half scale. Sorry, if you run full scale, that's, uh, that cuts down on your testing time, doesn't it? Um, so it's it's all a little yeah. I, the fine yeah they'll they'll find that money from somewhere. That's not too much of a problem. Um, I'd like to have seen the fine come out of their budget for twenty twenty three. But again, a lot of that's probably you know already been allocated. And when you actually look at the accounting side of it, it it boils down to they actually had a, a filing error. So this original $1.5 million overspend actually turned out to be about $400,000 overspend because they, they actually, their accounting screwed it up. So number one thing on Christian Horner's list to do is find another set of accountants who can actually do the maths correctly. Um, and the other thing I hear, he needs to find a less expensive caterer. Yes. Yes, because he blamed he blamed he blamed a lot of it on catering costs. Okay, well, yeah, just no, no, just, just get the guys some burgers. Yeah. 
exactly. It goes back to the old Elton John thing, doesn't it? Why do you spend twenty thousand dollars a week on flowers? Because I, I can. like flowers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Um, but you know, there were some other things in there. You know, there's some redundancy packages because obviously, now again, the, I, I think some of these things could be Red Bull. You know, like trying to play the world's smallest violin. You know, oh, we had to lay people off because of these budget caps, and we had to pay the redundancy of that cost and all this sort of stuff. Um, Obviously, we don't know the ins and outs of the exact um, accounting side of things, you know, where all the money flows. And each team will, you know, obviously, they'll have a basic concept of, well, X number of percentages of, of funds is based on engine, another X percentage is chassis, another X is salary, another X is, is whatever. So each team is going to be roughly around the same proportion of spending. So it'll be interesting. Obviously, they turned around and said, oh, well, our catering costs $100,000 more than we expected. Well, okay, but you, 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 that $100,000 went into a, a, you know, another engineer to do you know, sim work or suspension geometry design or whatever it may be. So it, it all comes out the same pot at the end of the day. So I don't buy that as an excuse uh, for, for um, from that, that side of things. So um, I do think they've got to be careful on this one. Um, yeah, they just need to where just this... really be careful what they do in the future, so this uh, you know doesn't become an issue for them again. Because again, you know, it's yeah. their their championship from last year is already tainted a little bit by the the officiating well, the final race. Now this taints it even more. Although uh, you know, you know, this year, uh, you know, Verstappen's been pretty damn bulletproof, and again. Taking yeah. another another win here in Mexico. I mean, since we've uh, been together last, you know, since he uh, wrapped up the championship in Japan, he's picked up two more wins. Yep. Yeah. Oh no, for sure. And it does leave a little bit of a a bitter taste in the mouth on their championship performance. Um, but you know, there's lots of historical you know trends of that as well. You know. You look at some of the Ferrari victories in 2019 before the FIA clamped down on the, their engine, whatever it was. Um, we still don't know. You know, does that create a doubt in people's minds over some of the legitimacy of some of those wins? I think it has to. Um, you know, the whole Spygate in the early 2000s, uh, does that leave a little bit of a, a bit of taste in the mouth there? The crash gate with... Uh, Nelson Piquet Jr. crashing in Singapore, which ultimately cost Philippe Massa the World Championship. Uh, there's lots of these little scenarios throughout history which, um, you know, there's a what-if caveat to them. So, um, yeah, it, it certainly does make you sit up and, and ask questions. But um, I think in the in the grand scheme of things, um, you know, th- th- there won't be an issue there. You also have to ask the question of, of Mercedes here and Toto Wolff, you know, the whole they they haven't come out of this whole thing in the last year or so, I guess, going back to Abu Dhabi last year, smelling of roses. You know, the revelation that you know Toto was having dinner with Michael Massey three days before the final race of the season. You know, again, that's like Bill Belichick having refer- having dinner with um, you know a Super Bowl referee three days before the Super Bowl. You should be never allowed to happen. Um, you know, and and how did how did Toto Wolf know about all these overspends before anybody else? How did he know what that Red Bull and Aston Martin had had exceeded the budget caps before anybody else seemed to come out? How did 
Mercedes know that they had they were allowed to put two uh, reinforcement stays on the flooring for the Canadian Grand Prix before you know they actually turned up to Canada with these two stays when nobody else knew about it. There's there's some questions that need to be asked about Mercedes' behaviour in all of this for sure. I don't think they're I don't think they're completely innocent in this. Um, and the FIA are, are in a very difficult position. They've really got to tighten ship right now and, uh, and then take control of this and make sure this doesn't happen again. Absolutely, yep. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Formula One's always been a little bit cloak and dagger and uh, cutthroat. So, <laughs> you know, there's always a, a lot going on behind the scenes that I think uh, we'll only ever know the half of. So, But let's talk about um, Logan Sargent real quick. Logan Sargent announced yeah. as uh, uh, the Williams driver for next year. Um, potentially. Potentially. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's where I'm going. Right, but he'll be the first American in F1 since uh, Rossi. Uh, yep. uh, but um, he doesn't quite have enough super license points. And he's been trying to uh, gain additional points through um, free practice one. But he uh, came up short at Mexico. Uh, where there were just too many red flags in the session. He wasn't able to get the required number of kilometers under his belt, so we didn't pick up any points there. But he needs to maintain that fifth place in the Formula 2 championship when they get to Abu Dhabi uh, uh, to do that. So potentially, uh, if he and, – and the, the two guys behind him are only, you know, behind him by a little mm-hmm. bit. But I, but I think if he, if he doesn't have an incident, I think he actually gets – two super license points for a clean season, which is an odd little rule in there. Uh, but, uh, but, but yeah, if he drops to like seventh in the championship, he's, he's going to come gone. up, he's, he's going to come up short. So, I, so, I mean, so do they start somebody else and well, put, they, him, put him in every free practice one they can until he's got the points. Yos Caputo was turned around and said that they do not have a backup plan. Um, so they're obviously confident now. I'm sure they do have a backup plan. Um, so they are obviously confident that he does get the points, but you know, we, we talked about this in the past, you know, in mid season around Silverstone and you know, some of those races, uh, you know, Austria and, and, and um, you know, Paul Ricard, you know, he was a championship contender, but then since you know, his name started to become heavily linked with being more than just a Williams developer driver, you know, an actual. William C contender, his performance have certainly have dropped off. Um, you know, has a hand on heart, has he done enough to justify um, a, a, a drive in Formula One? Uh, as, as near and dear to my heart as the Williams team is, and, and, and as, you know, not wanting to to throw shade on them. I, I think this is a political move rather than a sporting move. Um, I, I I don't see what he will bring to the team. I don't think he's any better than Latifi, to, to be brutally honest with you. Um, I would far rather have seen them pursue Danny Ricciardo uh, at some length um, or uh, Nico Hulkenberg at, at, at length or um, you know, even a Mick Schumacher potentially, because uh, his his future is in doubt at, at at Haas. So there's a lot going on there in the background, but I, I really do think that this is a political move. And no matter what Caputo or anybody else from the Williams team says, this is purely a 
we've got three US Grand Prix next year. We want to get a US driver in there and let's just, you know, join the dots on this one. Yeah, I can yeah, totally yeah, see that. Yeah, when the whole Colton Herta thing fell through, you know, where they, it became evident the FIA was not going to grant him any kind of exception on a super license to, uh, you know, move into Formula One, suddenly Sargent's name is linked as getting the uh, Williams seat for next year. So, yeah, it's it's not a secret that, uh, yeah, Liberty being an American-based company would like an American driver, especially with three Grand Prix in the United States next year. So, but we'll just have to see what happens in Abu Dhabi. I mean, uh, uh, Logan Sargent cannot afford to make any mistakes. He's got he's got to bring that thing home in one piece, and he's got to get a good finish. Yeah, he'll have to because when you look at the track, when you look at it, yeah, it'll be neat to see the first America on F1 grid since Alexander Ross is the first full time since Scott Speed. But I totally get what where Richard's coming from for sure because there's so many other guys out there. I know Ricardo has said that. He's not he's not interested of going anything less than what he's capable of. And I think he's kind of accepted the fate that he he's just going to have to take the hero off and see where his mindset is. I think he'll be a Mercedes reserve driver because uh, Stoffel Van Dorn has now been uh, confirmed as the Aston Martin reserve driver. So I, I think Danny Rick will end up at Mercedes as their reserve driver, sim driver or whatever it may be. Um, which would not be a bit which would not be a bad fit. It's just a matter of how well he does in it and see where if anything opens up that could be in the caliber of, of him. But I feel like the the prime may have s- slipped by, but we'll see because let's not forget Mika Hackner took a few years to get to oh, hold yeah. his I mean, craft. You never know. Well, you mean he made his debut in what? No, 90, I 91, I think. Yeah, he was uh, he, well, yeah, then he was the he was reserve driver for McLaren. When, yeah. they, when they didn't let Michael Andretti finish the season, they put him in for the last couple of races of the season there. And then and then he really came on, and then he won his back-to-back championships. And, uh, yeah, it's just 90, took 90, him a 98, 98, 99, yeah. Yeah, it took him a while because of injuries, and it's just let's not, let's not forget, the, the first year of Mercedes was a disaster. Pojo was a, was a fail. So it took him a while. He was a late bloomer, and then when he hit his peak, he decided to leave in his, in his prime from just what he's – when he not that long after, but we'll see how Ricardo. If well, he goes, I think there was some mental. I think there was some mental scars there that, that probably cost him that uh, that that concept of being in the prime. I think those two championships took a huge. You know, he's a very emotional guy, and I think those two championships certainly took it out of him. But yes, oh yeah, if you've been ninety nine, where it looked like it, it was it was slipping away from him, where it looked like Heinz Arnold Fred's and it's at Jordan. Monza. Yeah, yeah, I remember and, him crying yeah. in the trees at Monza. <laughs> Pretty uh, yeah, it won't yeah. be the only driver that was in tears in that '99 season. Luca Bador. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. All <laughs> right. So while yeah. while we continue our history lesson, so let's. Oh, well, let's just something so about we've got. Real... Uh, let's uh, let's real let's real quick. Uh, we we've got about ten minutes left. Okay. Uh, I was. Obviously, the uh, we already mentioned Max Verstappen won in Mexico. Uh, there, there wasn't a lot to report from from the race, but there there been some interesting IndyCar movement with sponsors and drivers, and and this would be um, NTT Data leaving Chip, yeah. Chip Chip Ganassi Racing and aligning themselves with uh, with McLaren or Aaron McLaren SP, uh, which I believe was NTT's plan. They were going to come over to McLaren with. 
Palou. The whole Palou thing fell through uh, where he's going to stay at Ganassi. But, they, you know, there's no contract in place for NTT to stay there. So they're over there. They're going to put their name on Felix Rosenquist's car. They're additionally going to put their name on Tony Kanaan's car uh, in their additional entry for the Indy 500. So uh, they've got a pretty strong Indy 500 lineup, you know, when you consider uh, the, the guys they have there, you know, Rossi's a 500 winner. Uh, Tony's a 500 winner. Um, Pato did great at Indy last year. He just only came up a little short. And then of course the other guy being Felix. So um, yeah, I, I think uh, I see a lot of folks are kind of feeling like, uh, you know, Zach Brown and McLaren are poaching everybody's drivers and sponsors and whatnot. But, but, but I feel like, uh, uh, these guys are moving in the right direction, and folks just want to align themselves with uh, McLaren. Yeah, they have the they have a massive conglomerate. Let's the Formula One, Formula E coming up, so I'd imagine. But it also does help that NTT is going through a team where they have drivers that they sponsored before. Let's not let's not forget Kanan and Rosie, of course, had NTT data and in their times with Ganassi. So. It's very interesting when they made the move, but in essence, it makes sense. And also, like I mentioned, they sponsored those two drivers before. And I feel like Errol McLaren are no question going to be tough to beat in this coming 500. But the question is, how will Ganassi respond, defend to the Fender title and see? The quite big mystery is Polo now is for, in terms of sponsorship. Because let's not well, forget, Ganassi has made a statement, or the team rather has made a statement that uh, the the ten car is in no danger of not being funded. Uh, okay, they, that's they good. Said, they said they fully intend to run the ten car for Palo. Uh, you know, if you recall, they had other sponsors, yeah sponsors on a car, including like American Legion and Clover and uh, uh, those sort of things. So I'm sure oh. they'll they'll scrounge up uh, enough money to keep him on the track. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but certainly the NTT money walking away is it doesn't help. No, it does. And no, it doesn't for Polo because look, let's not let's not forget the beginning when he started Ganassi in 2021. He had Segui as a, a also a sponsorship. I don't think we see Segui since then. So it'd be curious. I'm curious to see what kind of liveries. I feel like Polo is going to have like a ton of them this this coming year i would not be awfully surprised with that yeah, yeah and a lot probably, of business probably, business yeah. to business sponsorships too probably gonna rival graham ray hall for the most liveries in the season mm. so <laughs> speaking of ray hall fourth entry for the 500 ray hall has guaranteed a fourth entry for the 500 they've not announced a driver or a sponsor but they said they're definitely running four cars for indy so we're, we're actually gonna have we've got enough cars out there now we're gonna have actual bumps at the 500 uh, for sure coming up this year for sure and then even if you talk about uh, even if you count up to i think we're up to 35 and that's not even counting some of the other uh like like could the enersons be able to put a program together they're sitting on a couple of cars there right yeah uh, you could and of course you've always got you've got the perennial will mariotti doing his crowdfunding again but uh yeah there's also status too kyle bush is uh said he'd be happy to drive for a chevrolet team um but uh yeah but don't will mariotti thing i mean this guy tries every year the closest he came was he brought an additional sponsor uh a minor sponsor to um oh was it uh Alician? Driving for Schmidt Peterson at the time, so they, so they, yep, Mikhail, so, 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 so yeah, so they, 
threw his name on her and said Schmidt Peterson with Mariotti Racing. But uh, yeah, you know what Mariotti Racing lacks other than money is they lack a uh, a race shop, a race team, uh, a chassis, an engine lease, uh, an agreement with Firestone. So, yeah, it's 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 a hard sell. And he's out here trying to do the crowdfunding, said, oh, for ten thousand dollars, you can own one percent of this team. I'm like, OK, number one, who's got an extra ten grand sitting around? What fan 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 wise, right? For you know, and, and um, I mean, like, literally, like, we, my uh, my IndyCar group, we we sent three grand to um, Top Gun Racing last year just to, to be a minor sponsor on uh, their their Indy 500 car, and, and they <coughs> didn't make the Indy 500, they didn't, um, <coughs> they didn't enter a car. So that's when you had the whole uh, argument between them and the Enersons about who owns those chassis, but uh, those chassis both belong to the Enersons now. And uh, uh, you know, the fact they have a couple chassis put them farther along than a guy like a Will Mariotti. Right. But you still got like Beth Peretta racing who's possibly, possibly could get something going for the 500. Although it's likely they're going to try to do what they did this past year and just run a couple of road course races later in the season. So, yeah, it'll be, uh, be interesting to see how it all plays out. But we'll definitely have a pretty good full field at Indy with with some guys that are going to get bumped and sent home. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting 500 for sure. And if I had the choice to be there for bump for qualifying or the all-star race in Norfolk, I'm still going to have to go with a bumping in the fire because it's just, there's drama in it. And especially if and when Cowboys and do get a ride, at least one can hope it's going to be buzz around it. Well, there'll be a lot of buzz. I remember oh, yeah. when, when Kurt Busch was there, there was a lot of buzz. I was, uh, I spent a little time hanging out. I was hanging out with Kurt Busch and, um, Juan Montoya out of, out of, uh, of all the people that, that you could hang out with and uh, had a nice time with those guys, uh, you know, on one of the days leading up to the 500 sitting up there in the media center. And uh, yeah, I, I found Kurt to be um, really um, humble and, and trying to absorb all he can. And, and, you know, it showed in his race result. He, uh, he, you know, he didn't, he didn't embarrass himself at all. I want to say he finished sixth, sixth or seventh, something like that. And, um, but yeah, it brought, it brought a lot of, a lot of eyes to the sport, a lot, of, a lot of cameras to to his pit. So, um, and you'd see the same thing if you get a Kyle Bush in there. Yeah, for totally. And when we brought up Ray Hall briefly, the question, my curious question is, this just kind of like very, very far as far as priorities concerns. What are going to do with the car number? Because they go every fifteen, <laughs> the sixty, and maybe the seventy-five are are occupied. So I'm curious what they're going to do with it. That's just a little banter I had. It's like, what number are going to be the fourth entry? They can't go 60 because that's Meyer Shank's number. But question, Frank, now I think of it. Is there a rule for any driver allowed to use the number zero? Or that's it, not allowed no, for any car? It's, no, it's been used before. Not not in recent memory, though, right? Uh, as recently as like 2011 or 12, somebody ran the zero at uh, at the 500. 
I, I, I remember I was I was asked this question not that long ago. And uh, yeah, there is somebody I can't remember who it was. I remember the car was green, you know, so but um, yeah, I, I, you can run the zero um, years ago. It was illegal to run the 13. Then they dropped that rule. But nobody's ever really done well with the 13. When you look at the guys that have, I mean, the first guy to run the 13 was, I think, uh, Billy Murphy. And he, he did kind of miserable with it. Greg Ray tried to 13. Mm-hmm. EJ Vizo ran the 13. And then Danica ran Dan, one time. Dan, Danica ran it and ran it into the wall uh, on her final 500. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah. I was just curious because I was thinking that fourth entry is like, well, I wonder what number is going to be that fourth Ray Hall entry. Unless it's going to ah, be. They could, yeah. They could just pick any any number out of the hat. You know what I mean? There's. Yeah. That is true. But it's like anything that's not in use. So, but, but yeah, I do, I, yeah, I do want to share what you're saying. Like 15, 30, 45, you know. Yeah. So, so the next one will be sixty, which is taken. This, yeah, and, and seventy-five. It boils down to Enerson, I guess. Well, I think seventy-five is Top Gun, but I mean, yeah, they ain't gonna be around. I'll guarantee you that. Yes, yeah, so that's so. probably their next viable. Op- well, we'll see. That's many months from now. It's just kind of like little fun speculation. And they see the car off season, which is had its twists and turns already. And that's saying that is an understatement because who knows what will happen next. Yep. Yep. So, well, I'll tell you what will happen next is that we're out of time. So we've got uh, Phoenix coming up this weekend. We have uh, we have a week off before Abu Dhabi, right, Richard? Yes, and then Abu Dhabi. Uh, well, no, no, Brazil into Lagos, uh, into Lagos, Abu Dhabi, back to back with a week until those. Yes. Oh, I don't know why I forgot about. I just feel like the season should be over because it's November. But yeah, there's concerns Formula. about Interlagos's fate as far as this, this the scheduling for this year, but that's a whole different topic for another time. I think we're close enough to the race that uh, uh, this one this one will take place. But uh, yeah, but going forward, I don't know if you're going to see uh, Interlagos on there. There, well, no, they just announced the schedule for next year, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Interlagos is on there. At least, yeah. The only, anyway, the, only, yeah. the only, the only, there's two editions next year of Vegas and Qatar. All right. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So, anyway, so uh, Richard, Louise, I want to thank you guys. I want to thank you folks who listen to us. I want to thank Hoobazoo Radio Network, um, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Uh, but until next week, you know, good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 